Rebel with a Cause, episode 85. Hey there, folks. Seems Skype hates my guts. Hates my living guts with a passion that would burn a thousand suns a million times over. It doesn't like it when I record through a third-party service like Audacity or just any other kind of voice recording software. Uh, I've tried several different ways of doing it, but it always defaults back to just getting the recording from Skype itself, and the audio is just not great. In this particular episode, my audio was very high and overdriven, and Violet's audio was a little low. And so trying to get the two to kind of balance, like bringing my audio down and her audio up a little bit was a little bit tricky for me. But I think I did it to a point where it's listenable. So I'm going to apologize again for the uh, audio quality on this episode, and going forward, I'm just not going to use Skype any longer. It just seems like it's more hassle than it's worth. (laughs) So uh, it's going to be Zoom or Google Hangouts, and I haven't actually tried Google Hangouts yet, so um, not exactly sure how that one's going to pan out either, but again, I just wanted to apologize before this uh, episode got going. So here it is, Violet Irwin from Twitter. I am your host, Eric, and tonight, joining me on the line of, via Skype is uh, Violet Irwin, 76. She is a Catholic, libertarian, proprietarian, lawyer, nerd, gamer, painter, aspiring chef. Don't tread on this. We've all got to go down the rabbit hole. Uh, that's on her uh, Twitter bio. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. How are you tonight? Oh, doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Thanks so much for having me on. This is awesome. Oh, uh, not a problem at all. Actually, I've been looking forward to this one for a uh, for a while now. So. <laughs> oh really? Well, I'm quite flattered. So, <laughs> hopefully, I don't disappoint. <laughs> I don't think you will. So, all right. Um, basically, libertarians in the law uh, is always something that kind of fascinates me. I've got a couple of friends in town who are lawyers. And so I always kind of uh, kind of poke and prod them a little bit. I, I always like to figure out if they actually apply the libertarian uh, ethics and morals and stuff to their cases. And I find actually a lot of the times that they do, but they're a little bit stymied by what the court has them do on a daily basis. Do you find that in, in your profession? Yeah, and that's a great question. It's one that I get kind of a lot. Um it's, it's challenging to always apply uh, libertarian values when you're practicing the law, but I do my very best to do that. And I think that part of it is, you know, I started my own practice partially so that I could choose which cases I took on, so that I made sure that if, I, if I'm going to go through the process of a litigation, it's going to be for a cause that I actually think is just, you know. Um, I'm not just going to take on a civil litigation unless I think that there's a client that really has been harmed that would benefit from the court system intervening. Um, but uh, I understand the conundrum. I actually talk to people all the time about how I feel a little bit icky sometimes being a lawyer um, and being a libertarian because, in effect, 
And in fact, as an attorney, you're the liaison between the people and the government, you know? Um, it's kind of like Seinfeld says, we're the ones who have read the, the rules on the inside of the Monopoly box, you know? And so, <laughs> and so we're just trying to help people kind of navigate that system. So it's this kind of, it is kind of this uh, double-edged sword where um, I got, I became a lawyer because I'm a libertarian and because I distrust the government and because I want to help people deal with it. You know, um, right. Because the reality is that we live in a world where the government is kind of does kind of have a boot on our neck. And to the extent that we have to deal with that, I want to at least help people navigate through that because uh, the the law is crazy. Um, but at the same time, I'm kind of part of the beast. I'm kind of part of the machine. Um, I know that I'm you know, every time I send out an invoice, I like think about like I'm billing for, in effect, helping someone deal with an entity that I find, you know, kind of immoral, especially in its current form. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a struggle. I don't know if your friends have similar uh, feelings about it, but um, it is hard to apply it. But I just try to I try to take on specific legal areas that um, that allow me to still be a libertarian. You know, um, like if I'm if I'm writing contracts between different businesses, you know, that's actually me facilitating capitalism to a certain extent. And so. Uh, you know, I'm happy to do that. I don't think that violates my libertarian ethic at all. Um, and similarly, when I when I take on litigations, you know, I have a Fourth Amendment litigation going on right now. Oh, I try wow. my best to do um, Second Amendment work to the extent that I can. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so I just I try to take on cases that are actually in keeping with my libertarian values. But I I understand the question and I get it a lot. Yeah, a um, couple of the lawyers that uh, that I have with in town here, they um, do uh, kind of a lot of um, uh, succe- uh, succession, you know, transfers of title and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and and like you said, it does help facilitate capitalism. I even think um, in our and Capistan Libertopian society, uh, <laughs> the lawyers are still going to be needed to work out contracts. You know, right. It, they may not be called lawyers, but I, I do think that that'll be a profession that uh, will still have to be around. Mm-hmm. Because as and long I, as uh, people are doing business together, they're going to need a third party to kind of help them through it. Yeah, just to help negotiate terms in a way where neither party is actually going to be screwed over. And like that's that's actually the thing about a contract is it really should be a mutually beneficial document. It shouldn't be something where one side really has the the um, edge over the other. And that's really what a lot of negotiation that lawyers do is trying to make sure that, or that's actually what it facilitates is making sure that contracts actually are mutually beneficial. Right. Um, and that's, that's why I try to stay in that area. I mean, people talk about corporate lawyers, like they're really slimy and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of them that are, you know, like a lot of the ones on uh, like on wall street who are facilitating just um like mergers and acquisitions that are really just pushing money around but lawyers are like pocketing like millions of dollars you know those guys are kind of slimy but then there's people who you know hopefully like me who are just um like you have two companies that legitimately can help each other um if they work together but they want to make sure that neither side is getting taken advantage of and yeah i think it's great legal work yeah uh (laughs) And with a lot of those things, I do think the the stereotypes are there for a reason. Uh, you know, I think, you know, you, you can find any kind of shyster uh, used car salesman, you know, for example, you know, because there's always that one guy out there. And then maybe, you know, the guy that's next door to him who's selling just the same kind of used cars is probably a great guy, do, does his best to do a great deal and everything. 
So yeah, I do think that the stereotypes are there for a reason, you know. Yeah, but ultimately, like in your scenario, ultimately you do want to buy a car at a certain point, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of finding um, a car dealer who's actually honest, which um, can be a struggle, but there are they're out there, right? Yeah. So, and that's the other thing about the lawyer question too. It's like there are so many lawyers who are um, like cheating their clients or you know actually just breaking the law themselves. Like I mean, Michael Avenatti is a perfect example of just like the slimiest like lawyer that you can imagine. Oh um, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for every one of him, we need someone who's a good lawyer. So I try to be at least a good one. But um, <laughs> I mean, I try. Well, hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's just kind of one of those things. I think if you're doing your due diligence and trying to do the best you can for your clients, I mean, that's really what anybody can ask for. And, and that kind of thing will go a long way. So if you got clients that are, you know, satisfied with the work that you're doing for them, you know, that word of mouth advertising is going to go far and wide. Um, and sometimes oh, yeah. I think uh, the good ones out there don't really benefit from it too much because uh, everyone knows the bad stories because that's the ones that we like to cling to. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. Avenatti is like the, you know, when you look <laughs> up in the dictionary for scumbag lawyer, he's, his just picture his is picture. probably there. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. He every time a news story comes out, it's like, could this guy get any worse <laughs> in terms of smearing my profession? Like, thank you. <laughs> exactly. I can almost see you over there just kind of like shaking your fist when he's on the TV. It's like, you oh. know, he built his customer, you know, he built his clients out of uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars and just made off with it. You're like, oh, you. <laughs> it's like, how yeah, you, I think you could probably much just make night? up something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, at this point, I think you can just make up anything. Even if it's a lie, it's probably somewhat true in his case anyways. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and that's that's true of so much now, right? I mean, the things that were parody, like on Futurama or The Simpsons or Seinfeld oh, or whatever, yeah. are now just actually true. And <laughs> people just take them seriously. And um, yeah, that's why they say we live in clown world, right? Hong Kong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I totally get the uh, the whole clown world thing because, I mean, you look at it on its face and it's like, come on, this is this is really silly. Um, I was coming across a couple of uh, uh, tweets today where someone was legit saying that that they, of course, support communism because they're not a barbarian. <gasps> and it was like, what? wait, <laughs> what? Let me check his other tweets to make sure this isn't a parody account. And, you know, turn out, nope, nope that guy was being completely serious when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by that we need to make communists ashamed again. Yes. And it doesn't mean we need to do any, like, no violence or anything, but you should be ashamed to call yourself a communist. You shouldn't mm -hmm. be um, proud of it. And if you call yourself one, you should be, like, publicly denounced and, like, humiliated <laughs> in a nonviolent way, obviously. Um, yeah. but, but I anytime don't I ever hear someone say that they're about. a communist or they have communist sympath uh, sympathies, I was like, you, you do realize they killed over a hundred million people in the 20th century, right? Right. <laughs> and um, that's not by accident. And that's, this is something I get into arguments. Like I actually argue with communists on Twitter. I mean, I really shouldn't. Right. I mean, I, there's better things to do with my time probably. <laughs> um, but this, their argument is always like, oh, well, but capitalism, you know, it killed people via, 
I don't know, like a lack of food. It's like, well, what about all of the people who have food because of capitalism, though? Yeah, it's yeah. like there's still there's still poor people. It's like, yeah, because there weren't there weren't poor people under communism. <laughs> there were there weren't poor people like starving to death, you know, in communism. Nor did they just murder people uh, just outright yeah. for being dissidents or whatever. Um, but they try to they try to equate the two as if they're. Uh, they're equally um, responsible for deaths or like a death toll, and it's yeah. it's just so absurd. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy, and it, and I love it when they do the well, that's not real communism or that's not real socialism. I was like, well, except that it is. Well, yeah. Uh, well, what I always say is that the Russians certainly thought that they were doing real communism. That's right. Like Mao thought he was doing real communism. Same in you know all of the various uh, South American countries that have tried it and failed. Um, they all thought that they were communists. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, uh, and and always <laughs> the problem with a communist or a socialist type system is the guy in charge thinks he's doing the right socialism or the right communism, but it's always like the guy underneath him who doesn't think he's doing it correctly. So whenever that guy's out of the picture, and well, now I I know what to do. I can I'm I'm the brainiac of the bunch, <laughs> and it yeah. always just gets worse. You know, just see Stalin. You know, once Lenin was out of the picture, he was just all over it. <laughs> and I think people really don't understand. And this is something I have realized as I've gotten older: is that most people are actually really stupid, and there's no there's That's kind no of putting one... it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but and, and like. When you're a kid, right, you, you look up to adults and you think that, wow, they really have it all figured out. Like, they're the ones running the show. They know what's going on. But it's like, I'm an adult now, and I'm the age that, um, you know, my parents were when I started really being coherent about what was going on. Right. And we're, we think we're running the show, but m most of us don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and the assumption that anyone could walk into a system with completely unchecked power like that, I mean, to... To, to even attempt to facilitate some kind of a quality out of outcome situation requires um, just such an immense amount of power. Uh, and no no one knows how to handle that. No, no no one would handle that in a graceful way, even if you had good intentions. Even if, even if we put Ron Paul at the head of, like, <laughs> a communist society, like, it wouldn't go well, man. Like, it's yeah. just... <laughs> and yeah. I love Ron Paul, though, I mean... He, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Most, but it would it would still it would still be awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, because governments just shouldn't be that powerful. Um, no. Ever. No, so. and and you can just even take it down to the local level. I mean, your city council or uh, county council or whatever, it, they even struggle trying to get <laughs> all the ducks in the row. You want to get to take it a little bit closer than that. You, your family economy, just in your own household, you know. Me and my wife, we we have our problems, you know, getting the money straight and everything. And you're like, okay, let's now try to do this for 330 million people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, you can't assume to know everything that's going on. And even the communists cheated because they would order the Sears, Callen, uh, the Sears uh, catalog just to check what the prices were. So <laughs> <laughs> They cheated anyway. Yeah, they, um... they had to cheat anyways because they didn't know what the <laughs> – didn't know what the prices were on anything because in socialism there wouldn't be any any price. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's something. Um. You know, I I almost hate to quote Jordan Peterson because so many people do, but he talks well, that's, about you that's know. That's fine. You can you can quote me all you want. <laughs> all right. Uh, 
terrible, <laughs> terrible celebrity impressions, and I apologize. I liked it, though. I liked it. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, I, I love Jordan Peterson. I, I'm very thankful that he exists. Um, but, you know, I, I've just tried to implement the clean your room rule. Yeah. You know, because it, I, I think he's right. Like, if I can't even keep my apartment, my, like, one-bedroom apartment together, um, I guess it's a two-bed with my office, but, you know, regardless, if I can't keep my apartment together, like, who am I to go out on Twitter and be like, oh, I could totally uh, orchestrate a better government than we have now? <laughs> um, and it's it's not actually that easy. <laughs> no. no <it's> not. <laughs> and I hate to admit that on anywhere where someone could hear me, but it's really... Um, you know, managing your own life is a struggle, and I think that it's important for all of us to have the humility to know that if any of us were given that power, um, it, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't end well. Um, just because the the nature of the nature of that kind of power over that kind of group of people, it's it's the same thing. They always talk about how if everyone voted on what we would all eat every day, we would all eat pizza like for the rest yeah. of our lives. Um, <laughs> And it's like, wouldn't that, what a horrible dystopia that would actually be. Um, and it's, it's one of those things like, yeah, I mean, that, uh, uh, you know, on its face, it's like, yeah, like pizza doesn't sound so bad, but <laughs> you have to acknowledge the individual and yeah. the more powerful the government gets, like the less powerful the individual is. It just doesn't matter. So if you have an all powerful state, the individual is um, reduced to nothing oh. and that always ends badly. It just doesn't, it doesn't matter what your ideology is going into that, like the individual's gone. So Yeah. So I I just got an image of what government control over the pizza chains would be. <laughs> and it's basically like all cheese pizza, but the sauce isn't really all that great and the cheese is kinda yeah. grainy and ugh. It's like it's like when you order from like Domino's or Pizza Hut or something and it's just yeah. so disappointing. Like it's like they were they were on an off night. It was their like it was their C minus crew. Yeah, the, the B squad. <laughs> yeah, but government pizza would always be like that. It would never be better. Than it that. would it would never improve either. <laughs> yeah, be the and there would be no incentive to improve because <laughs> if you tried to open a pizza restaurant, they could just like arrest you, man. <laughs> um, it would just come in a plain cardboard box with black letters that just say pizza on it. <laughs> <laughs> Ew! It wouldn't even have the uh, happy Italian guy, you know, winning no, no. or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> I see when I was a when I was a, a little boy in Iowa, and I remember getting Ronnie cheese. Ronnie cheese was government cheese, and basically it was like a hunk of uh, some kind of cheese-like substance, and it would come in like that plain container that would just say cheese on it. It was so gross. Ew. I mean, just just the phrase "government cheese" is just yeah. so like appalling. Like it's so <laughs> gross. I just can't imagine it would be good. It would be. Whatever cheese it is, I'm sure it was the same color as that cheese that they put on Cheetos. You know, it's like, that's what government cheese is. Oh, it was like this pale yellow-like color, and it was somehow chalky. Mm, yeah, that's like not would, good. Yeah, like you would put your butter knife into it to try and, like, scoop some of it out, and, like, it would break apart in a chunk. Ugh. <laughs> it's, <laughs> so it's just like when the, there were some governments in Europe that were going to make, like, a car that everyone was going to have a car, right? And yeah. I don't know if you've seen these monstrosities, but they are just hideous. They're, they're so ugly and they were so, the fuel efficiency was terrible oh, and yeah. no one ever used them because they were just awful, you know, and we trust the government to do so much. We trust the government with our health in many ways, but yeah. it's like we wouldn't trust them to make pizza. 
Yeah. They can't even fill the potholes in my city, you know, on the roads. So, <laughs> um, maroads. Yeah. Yeah. So I work in civil engineering. So maroads are literally my job. So. <laughs> yeah. That, that always gets funny. I, I was doing a, a road project. And the only reason why it had gotten any kind of green light was because uh, a member of the parish council happened to live on that street. Oh. Yeah, so he would uh, he would do like really kind of silly stuff where he'd have the uh, the city come out and put orange barrels up to make it look like stuff was happening, so he would get reelected. Mm. Oh, good. So yeah. it just he, they actually just disrupted traffic then, right? Because yeah, yeah, basically, it's like it looks like there's construction, but there's actually not anything happening. Yeah, so it would just be like a, a few orange barrels, and then like maybe a survey crew would be just kind of like sitting on the side looking at stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you know, my fiance have seen that before. Like there will just be construction stuff blocking off a lane of traffic, yeah. but there's no one working there. Yeah. So it's like, why is it blocked off? Yeah, I love the sign, <laughs> men working, and you're like, where? Where? <laughs> Not hard, I guess. I, I see um, one piece of equipment, an earth mover, is off in the distance somewhere, but it's not being utilized at the moment. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's not even a guy, like, drinking coffee or having a sandwich anywhere nearby. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, incidentally, wasn't there that story about pizza companies? It was, was it Domino's who was filling potholes for, like, government places because they, their drivers' cars were getting messed up, like, hitting yeah. all the yeah. <laughs> do you realize how bad you've got to fuck up for a pizza chain to then go through the expense of hiring a crew to come out and lay asphalt? Yeah, and they, they, managed to, they managed to lay asphalt in a way where they actually were advertising for their own company and doing it too. Yeah, because like, they would do as a little spray They can get more business for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and I saw I saw some pictures uh, of some of the work that they did. Now, not all of it is like the greatest patch job you'll ever see, but then there was some where they actually did take the time to you know saw cut the uh, the edges uh, so that the next time it rained it wouldn't wash it away. So I was like, oh wow, they they actually did a legit job here. So you know, kudos for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, the private sector does everything better, so yeah, just goes to show. Yeah. So if you got a kid out there and like a a ten year old uh, Toyota, you know. <laughs> He doesn't have to worry about his uh, car getting all messed up just trying to deliver some pie. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of dangerous to drive around when there's really big potholes, especially, you know, some of them are big. You could have your whole tire just get stuck in one of those potholes. I I live in southern Louisiana. Tell me about it. Like, I got robbed, like, a decent amount of money in pursuit of my roads, and my roads are still terrible. Oh, yeah. So, I know. Yeah. Yeah, so... The next time that you're uh, waiting in traffic, just remember, you're in a government line to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. That's how I feel, like, the whole TSA thing. Like, I have a – I've probably got a, um, a more of an aversion to the TSA than most because I uh, think that – Could it is... have anything to do with a pretty lady going through the line? <laughs> you got to get the attention. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I – Personally, I think it's more because they confiscated some Jack Daniels from me one time. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, you're obviously a terrorist. Yeah, I know. Well, and it, that's the thing. It was factory sealed. It was like one ounce above the, like, what the limit was supposed to be. It and it was, a, it was like a birthday present. I was like, I can't bring this. And they're like, no. And I saw him put it in his pocket. Of he course. just stole my whiskey, man. Yeah, so he's just going to go drink it later. Yeah. 
But the bigger oh. issue I have, though, is actually that I think it's the biggest symbol of, like, can I, can I swear in this podcast? You can say fuck if you want to, and, and in fact, you could say cunt if, <laughs> okay, if, well, if you so you choose. <laughs> um, I was going to say that it's the biggest symbol of, like, the pussification of the American people, in my opinion, We're, because yeah. we just all put up with it. You know, I, I take to Twitter every time I go through it and complain, and I, I don't know, I... I really hate going through the, especially the ones where they scan my body like that, but I'm always randomly selected. Even if it was a row where, like, they hadn't been doing that, they send me over to the one where then I have to get the circular x-ray. But um, x-rays actually aren't good for your health. No, not at all. It's all a violation of the Fourth Amendment, and we just let it happen all the time. And it's one of those things that I'm not actually sure how to fight it because I do appreciate airplane travel and I can't afford like a private jet. But, um, you know, it's just I feel like we should all be much more up in arms about it. And people seem to just be okay with it. You know, my especially the boomer generation. They're just so happy to like take off their shoes and their belts and like have their stuff x-rayed. It's like you have panties up in there. Like, don't you care that there's just some like. Some, like, tubby, greasy guy, like, looking through your, like, private, like, items in your suitcase? Like, you don't care? Yeah. I don't know. I just, um, I, a lot of people tell me I'm just, like, that there's worse things that our government does. And I suppose that that's true. But I think that it's just such a symbolic, uh, institution of how far we've fallen. Yeah. It's, it's the banality of evil. Because it, it, your, your average TSA person probably... You know, the, you know, they know what they're doing is, at worst, a, a horrible violation of everybody's rights. Uh, at the very <laughs> least, it's just a, a inconsiderate amount of time that they that they waste. Yeah. You know, how many like actual terrorists have they stopped? <laughs> you know. I know, I w- and I would say zero. <laughs> and they do those tests where they actually send people in like with like fake contraband or whatever, or real contraband. I'm not exactly sure how they do those, um, those uh, experiments that they do, but it it was something crazy. Like the vast majority of it got through. It's like over 90%. Yeah. It was, it ain't stopping shit. Um, I, so it's like, okay, so we're, we're, first of all, we're robbing people Mm -hmm. initially. Like we always have to start with the taxation and stuff part. We're robbing people to pay for, I, I don't know, these, these are usually people who, like, are, like, ex-felons and stuff like that, yeah. to then violate our Fourth Amendment by going through unreasonable searches and seizures of our property without a warrant, and also our person, right, now that they're scanning our bodies. I mean, yeah. and if you decline the scanner, or... then get, get ready, because you're about to get felt up. Yeah, yeah, like, if you have, you like, I... I wear, I'm a Catholic, right? Like you said in my opening yeah. bio. So I wear a golden cross and a golden um, Holy Spirit like emblem every single day. I've had this necklace since I was like, I don't know, 12 years old or something. Like I've yeah. always worn this. But it, it gets detected every time because it's real gold. And so right. I get patted down every single time because I wear a very small gold necklace around my neck. <laughs> um, and I just, it's like, get a warrant. I, I you know, I, it's. Yeah. It's horrible. So, yeah, it's like the there's the theft. There's the fact that these people are the last people you want looking through your things. They're looking oh, through yeah. your things without a warrant, and they don't even do a good job of it. And most of the rules are completely arbitrary, like the liquids thing, you know? Yeah, um, yeah like I was saying, it's always going to be 1%, you know, an ounce over. It doesn't even matter if it's the travel size that they say is approved by the TSA. It was like, oh, that's too much toothpaste. Yeah. 
was yeah. like, according to your rules, this is what I can bring. It was like, no, it's still two over. I was like, okay, well, let me throw it in the uh, trash can with the other potential bombs. Right. In this highly populated area of the airport. <laughs> that that part is what cracks me up the most. If if they were worried, if they were genuinely worried that that like a water bottle had explosive material in it. Yeah. Why would you throw it next to, like, just in a trash can? And not just in a trash can, but next to a line of a whole bunch of other innocent people just yeah, trying exactly. to get through security. It's like, <laughs> talk about, like, if, if you threw that in there and it was actually a bomb and that went off, like, how many fatalities <laughs> that would cause? Yeah, exactly. These people are crazy. It, the whole thing is so farcical. And it's, it's all, um, that's why I talk about being in Wonderland, right? Like, we live in this we live in this uh, illusion of like, oh, we live in such a free country, but it's like we get molested every time we go on an airplane and we can't trust the, the airlines to have some security measures on their flights, especially in light of 9-11. You don't yeah. think companies wouldn't have, you know, made some adjustments <laughs> with their <laughs> protocols after that? Like, yeah, just- well, they did. I mean, they up armored the, uh, the door to the cockpit, so... Yeah. You know, and I, that was like, yeah, well, nobody's going to get through here now. So, mm-hmm. and we it's always just, have to have somebody in the cockpit. So, it's <laughs> an yeah, example. It's, oh, it's yeah, an example of, um, it's just, it's one of the most blatant examples of how we just lie to ourselves about how free we are. And yeah. so, uh, that's why I talk about it a lot. I, it's kind of a little thing. And I got us off on a tangent about the TSA, I guess, but. I actually do want to push it because I think the libertarian community has gotten soft on it. And um, I don't think it's ground that we should see it at all. Like at all. I think we should be more yeah. about it. Um, if anything. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anytime that I've gone through the, uh, the whole rigmarole, I, I speak very, uh, very loudly about how this is just really just kabuki theater involving security guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do play the whole, uh, oh, I can't go into the scanner to get my hands above my, uh, my head. I have an old football injury and then I'll really play it up. Like I can't lift my shoulders. <laughs> so they have to do the pat down. So now when you're going to do the pat down, it's now my job to make you feel as uncomfortable as possible. So I'm going to talk about Jesus a lot and I'm going to moan inappropriately at odd times. <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you serious? Yes. Have yes. you gotten in trouble for doing that? Only, oh, only with my wife. <laughs> she's like, it was like, you don't have to do this every time. I was like, oh no, yes I do. <laughs> oh yes I do. Well, that's the thing too, like I, because I see people. For example, a woman had fudge confiscated from her. Like I live in Colorado, right? Like fudge. Like, like fudge. Chocolate. <laughs> um, but some close really, approximation to fudge, but it wasn't actually. It was actually the most delicious fudge because I could see. Um, where she had bought it from and it was from oh, a place okay. in Estes Park and it's delicious fudge I mean um part of the reason why the mountains is so wonderful is you can go to these candy shops where there's fudge and candied apples and all this mess but yeah. she was trying to go through and the guy looked opened the box and looked at the fudge and claimed it was a gel and then confiscated it <laughs> and I saw him eating some oh, of course yeah. <laughs> he got a snack I mean, it's just, it's like we have to go through a gang of thugs before we can get on an airplane. It's like, oh, do you have anything good on you? Like, let me see. You know, I'll take it. And then now you can go on your flight. Yeah, that uh, kind of reminds me. There was a story, I want to say it was maybe about a year or two ago. But this lady tried bringing on this, like, really ridiculously large bottle of rum on board. 
And it was like 7.30 in the morning, and of course they're telling her, no, you can't bring that. So she proceeded to start drinking it and then was offering shots to everybody in line. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, this kind of cool shit doesn't happen at my airport. Yeah, more power to her. I mean... I, <laughs> yeah, she wasn't going to throw it away, and she wasn't going to give it to them either. So. And who doesn't need a shot when they're waiting in that line? Yeah, no kidding. Right? Yeah, at that point, it's never too early to start drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> at the airport it's always okay to be drinking yes that's my i stand by that except you're, when you're on a uh, four hour overnight flight and you're now starting to get testy with the uh <laughs> with the stewardess <laughs> yeah you shouldn't get testy with the stewardess it's it's just like with a waitress or something they're in control of your beverages or you know <laughs> other items that or other things that could affect your day so you always have to be polite to people who can affect your day um yeah i was like ah oh, you're just shooting yourself in the foot you realize she's not going to come back to refill your drink now for a while for a hot minute <laughs> she sees your light on she's not coming she will get everybody else on the plane and then you <laughs> exactly exactly oh yeah the tsa well i'm glad that we we kind of hit the uh, the blue gloves of freedom so yeah, but, I know. Yeah, I, I think I, you're right. The uh, the libertarians, uh, yeah, we really need to make it a, a sticking point a little bit more often, and just not when we're flying. But uh, I think at this point, a, a lot of people have just said, eh, it's just there. We just have to deal with it. And I was like, no, you don't have to settle. <laughs> but Yeah, um, and I do think that there's a, a big population in the libertarian movement, and it's not that I blame them, you know, um, who's very much in the collapsitarian kind of state of mind where it's like well we could try to fight the tsa through you know i mean i do think it's a bit of a pipe dream through like legislation at the federal yeah. level something like that um so you know in their opinion it's more just like let it all kind of fall down um right. and financially speaking and, and this is something that i i really should tweet about the economic situation more but the culture war has just been so uh, it's been so in my face that um, I've kind of let the economics slide a little bit. Um, but economically speaking, I mean, I do think that there's potential for a collapse situation to happen. Um, oh, yeah. 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 And, it's uh, too many unfunded mandates. Uh, and, yeah. And like the, how the much debt longer just keeps going up and up and up. So how much longer does Social Security have? Oh, it's uh, it's I'm, it's not long. I think yeah, I want to say it's like less than a decade now because uh, yeah. I remember we uh, looked up some numbers on that, but uh, and uh, if people want to know how really bad that will get, um, just go into YouTube and look at any video where somebody's EBT card stopped working. And it doesn't matter if they no longer qualified for funds or something was happening with the machine. The moment that the EBT card just doesn't doesn't work anymore, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you can take a deep dive and see how bad that's going to get. Yeah, I mean, like. Talk about a rabbit hole, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the thing, too, because it's not it's not even just that we we have these liabilities like in terms of Social Security. But I mean, we're we're tacking on to the national debt all the time. Like there's like the unfunded ones. But even even just the national debt that's on the books like that we can see on the debt clock is right. more money than I can even like the amount we owe is more than I can even comprehend, you know, yeah. and there's not there's not a way out of that debt hole. Um, yeah, when you're talking trillions of anything, 
The, yeah. the trillion number is supposed to be used in scientific calculations. Yeah, yeah we're I not know, talking right? about money. It's supposed to be like almost a theoretical thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I, I, if your if your listeners have never seen a visualization of what a trillion dollars in like stacks of cash looks like compared to a billion or a million or whatever, then I really encourage them to go online and find um, that visualization because it just helps the perspective of yeah. how much money that is. And then we have these insane leftists who are like, not only should we have healthcare for all, but now they've been saying like healthcare for illegal immigrants generally, you know, which yeah, would just effectively anybody who comes here. Worlds. Yeah, if they yeah. can, if they can plant two feet inside the border <laughs> yeah if they if they can trip across the border then they get we will pay care. for their skin <laughs> knees and their broken elbow <laughs> yeah and and i just think like that it's just such a it's such an unreasonable proposition given the financial situation that we're in and it's also something that trump needs to learn as well because trump keeps talking about how we have the best economy we've ever had and that's just nonsense <laughs> um, yeah it gets really funny because he keeps reminding us Almost every time he gets to the podium <laughs> about how great our economy is, I was like, who are you trying to fool? Right? I mean, I are mean, you trying to convince yourself so you just have to say it out loud every time? <laughs> and there are, I mean, there there are some good things that he's done. I mean, there's been a lot of regulations that have been um, repealed because of the, like, every time we add one, we have to get rid of two that yeah. he has going on. And, um, you know, to, to that to that, that's a good thing. I do think that there's been some things that have been partially beneficial to our entrepreneurs that have come to pass since Trump has been in office. But for the most part, I mean, when I talk to people, I don't hear people saying that they're having a financial boom and that they can go buy things that they couldn't buy before. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't hear I don't hear financial booming happening to the people I talk to on the street. The no. people I talk to on the street still feel the pinch and especially feel the uh, cost of living increases, um, especially in rents. Um, so I, I, I just, I think both sides are just way off. Like the Republicans are trying to think that they are, they're, they're trying to argue that we have this great economy and that's what they're, that's what Trump's going to ride on. But if we have yeah. the collapse before the election, <laughs> like Trump's going to lose, man. And, yeah. and that's not necessarily bad, except that, the other option might be like Stalin, <laughs> you know? So especially with how these people are talking, I mean, they've gone completely off the deep end on the left. So, yeah. So one of the, uh, the clips I saw of the, uh, the Democrat debate, um, and I think it was on night two, they were talking about would people still have uh, private health insurance and nobody raised their hand on that one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, Oh, well, it's just going to be government only. Great. <laughs> Just kill me, please. <laughs> this is like my I was like, even up in Canada, what you guys are always saying is the best health care ever. You know, they have a lot of private insurance and concierge uh, medical stuff. And in fact, mm -hmm. when you go up there, that's like all of the billboards everywhere. And yeah. oftentimes it's those private insurers that are actually the ones who end up saving people in a really severe life-threatening situation. Yeah. You know, like if someone has really um, – uh, like fast progressing cancer, fast progressing cancer or something like that, they usually will have to go to a private insurer to even, or, or, or excuse me, it's the private insurers that will actually be able to finance something like that in a time frame that will allow that person to survive. If yeah. you only relied on the government insurance, you'd probably be waiting, you know, you might have like a, a year long waiting period before you could receive chemo or something. 
yeah, and, and that your would life be a, expectancy might be six months. Yeah, and that would be a year long of deliberations at a death panel to yes. even go forward with it, which nobody wants to talk about. I know. And did you see that? Um, I, I think that they they appealed it and were able to get it changed, but a trial court in the UK had ruled that because a woman uh, was mentally incompetent, like you know, she had some kind of uh, disability of some kind, that mm-hmm. she was gonna she was gonna have to have a forced abortion of her child. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So um, it's like this is what. Yeah. We, where's the whole my body, my choice in that situation? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? I shouldn't talk over you like that. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was I was trying to quip. It was like, yeah, where's the uh, my body, my choice in that situation? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's like you know, it goes from we want to make sure that we have access to abortions too. We're gonna to force one upon you because yeah. we don't think that you're gonna be a fit mother. Yeah. Uh, um, she she said uh, she said the f word on several occasions. So obviously, she's gonna be a bad mom. I I don't know what the the situation is on that because I can just see how crazy they get. Yeah, well, I mean, they always talk about um, being uh, kind and tolerant to the disabled, but, you know, they would be the first ones who would be, like, in favor of sterilization of someone who was, was, you know, disabled. I mean, that's effectively what they said in the UK. They said that because you have, you know, um, a mental disability, like, you you shouldn't be allowed to be a mother. Hmm. So um, they're already. Th- I mean, they're they're there. The UK. The UK is a very scary place now. Yeah. I yeah. I was there back in um, 2008, and it was a little bit weird then. But it really the UK. Yeah, I would probably taken off from there. But yeah, anytime I hear stories like this, I was like, oh, what did the Nazis call that stuff? Oh, that's right, social utility. If you didn't oh, meet God. those standards. I know. And it's like, and what did we call that forever? Uh, eugenics. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I was like, oh, well, this person obviously doesn't have any social utility. I was, mm-hmm. I was like, but that's, that's something I've been thinking about recently. And um, I don't think people realize if, you, if you're progressive, to a certain extent, you'll always end up at kind of a eugenics place because the whole progressive ideal right. is that you're trying to make the society better and better and better and like perfect society and they think that the government has the capability of doing that right yeah so at a certain point if you're a progressive you're gonna get to that place because it's like well there's certain people who are messing up society so we got to get rid of them if we're going to progress yeah you know we have to get rid of the weak like the weakest link in our chain we're always looking for the ubermensch yeah oh gosh i i just um it's it's one of those things where I don't people don't people don't look down the full path of their ideology. No. And the full path of libertarianism and like admittedly I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not an ANCAP, but I if an if anarcho-capitalism is the is the final uh, manifestation of my ideology, I'm fine with that. You know. And yeah. so, whereas the final manifestation of progressivism or of conservatism are things that I, I can't I, I can't be on board with because they ultimately lead to authoritarianism. Yeah, they don't see that uh, you know A plus B plus C equals D, and so when they get to that D, you know they they don't seem to understand. It's like oh well, this looks like every dystopian uh, science fiction novel I've ever read. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. And then, uh, that I've had a friend before who said, you know, I'm a minarchist. Uh, um, 
you know, I still want there to be like a small limited government. But, you know, if I if I fall asleep on the bus and I end up in Ancapistan, I'll be fine with that, too. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's that's where I that's where I stand. I mean, I um, I'm sure that uh, <clears throat> I'm sure that many of your listeners, once they heard that I wasn't an ANCAP, have now dismissed me entirely. Um, <laughs> but well, I haven't time, dismissed you. That's fine. <laughs> you can be whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. But I I try to I try to just approach it from practically speaking. What can I achieve in my lifetime? Um, yeah. And what and also realistically speaking with with the way the left is if i if i enacted some kind of anarcho-capitalist like let's say i was able to get colorado to secede from the union and i was going to say the Can't state of colorado know. is now in capistan right Please. um <laughs> <laughs> no that would be so awesome um yeah. but like like just the secession part even which would be awesome but um the the, the progressives like in some part of Colorado would declare their own state where they're going to enforce their own crazy stuff, at least in their respective territory, because we have, we have people who have a devotion to the state that is religious and yes. it is not a minority of people. It is no. a, um, there's there, the people who are really insane. I mean, that's, that's kind of a small fraction, but I, I would say that the, the average liberal and conservative has, kind of a religious devotion to the state and that they really believe that the state has their best interests at heart. There's not, there's no distrusting of the state or no questioning of the state. And with that being the case, I, I don't see the creation of an anarcho-capitalist state being able to sustain itself, but that's a matter of us educating people and right. hopefully getting to a place where um, because, you know, slavery was, slavery was on mass throughout the whole world for a long time. And it was persistent arguments showing the evils of it that eventually got people to change. Um, and it's only, that's the only way that we're going to succeed with this either, um, is just through yeah. persistently pointing out the state's evils and its excesses. Yeah. I've, I've always, um, said that, uh, you know, I, I strive to, to get to, you know, and Capistan, Libertopia, or whatever we want to call it, uh, every day. Uh, it may not happen in my lifetime. It may not happen in my children's lifetime or their children's lifetime. Hell, not even on this planet. You know, it might happen like on a Mars colony. You know, mm -hmm. you know several hundred <laughs> years from now. You know, or like uh, on a on a yacht or something. Like, are there some <laughs> plans to have like a, a traveling country that's like Ancap? I've heard of that. Anyway, I didn't mean to. Oh that. yeah, the seasteading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even then, I think it's going to be a, a pretty small group, and you know the uh, especially the, the the mega powers like the uh, the United States and China and stuff they, they ain't going to leave that little group of people alone. I mean, we just right. had a story not too long ago where people are, were actually starting a seastead, and in, uh, I want to say it was like either Taiwan or uh, Thailand or something like that. You know, they stormed uh, their their little flotilla and arrested them all. You know, the, oh gosh, of course. It was like oh, maybe ten people, and they couldn't even leave them alone then. So, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's that's. I don't see it happening anytime soon, but. And that's um a book I could recommend to your listeners is uh Guns Germs and Steel. Um, I don't know if you've read that book. Yeah. 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 Well, I just I just think it gives a good perspective about um like how, what actually shapes history more than we expect. And I do think there's something to be said about 
really powerful entities going and taking advantage of uh, communities or nation states or whatever that have that aren't just they just not as technologically established or they just don't have as many resources right. and it's not to say that you shouldn't strive to have um an like an ncap state but i would be worried for example if you were able to get an island off the coast of china and declare it to be an ancap state um you know the chinese haven't really been friendly in terms of their neighbors and making sure that they get to have their own self-determination so yeah um you know it would be it's a struggle in today's world, but I do think it's something that we shouldn't give up on. You know, some people, some people want to say that we shouldn't even pursue that goal at all because we are in the world that we're in right now. But I think that it's more so that we have to, we have to keep laying the foundation for that. Um, and we have to keep laying the philosophical foundation for that. And this is, this is sort of a, a slightly change in, to a slight change in topic, but I was just going to say that um, I think there's, a real lack of acknowledgement too. Like I, I, I complain about how we don't make enough of a ruckus about the TSA, but right. I also think that there's a lack of acknowledgement of how many Americans actually agree with us, at least to a certain extent, uh, or yeah. how many people are at least students of Rothbard. I think that we actually have a greater population of Rothbardians than like, no one wants to admit it, but if you look at the Trump reddits and then Rothbard reddits and stuff like that, there's a lot of Rothbardians in America. And uh, we're not going anywhere. Nah. So, and, and in fact, our, nubble, our, our numbers keep going up. Uh, like Rothbard said in his time, he, he knew every libertarian, and it was like 25 of them, they can all fit in one room. You know, and today, <laughs> there's thousands of us everywhere. Uh, everywhere. Yeah, like in my state alone, there's 14,000 registered libertarians. Wow, you know, where are you? In a state of about 2 million, Louisiana. Oh, you're, wow. I'm yeah. impressed. I wouldn't expect Louisiana to have that many. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, they, they can be, you know, all up in the cities and New Orleans and Baton Rouge and stuff. And we, we can even find them out in uh, North Louisiana. There may be the one <laughs> uh, registered libertarian out in the middle of a parish somewhere. But, yeah, I mean, it <laughs> gets pretty crazy. And then uh, I think Colorado is like the next one that's got uh, got the most registered. And, you know, well, they may not all be Rothbardians, but I mean, you can sit and talk with them. <laughs> And they can, yeah, they can I mean, start they, connecting the dots for themselves, you know. And they, they at least have some questioning of the state, some skepticism toward the state. Um, yep. And that's the first step, right? And yeah, Colorado actually... Anything, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, and Colorado actually, I mean, personally, I, I'm not a big fan of the Libertarian Party. I don't, I don't necessarily think that they actually encompass Libertarian values that well. But here I am, you know, a Libertarian saying other people aren't real Libertarians. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's what we but, excel at. <laughs> but in Colorado, you know, we were we were pretty pretty close to around five percent of our population voted for Gary Johnson in 2016. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of significant because five percent, yeah, it's not it's not winning anything, but yeah, it's not zero either. So. But yeah, it's and it's not one percent. I mean, it's yeah. not two, and five percent of a whole state is actually. You're starting to get to a place where it's like they can't they can't pretend that you don't exist because that's enough of the population where you could actually swing ballot measures. Yeah, um, it's, 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 uh, it's changing. We're, we've made more progress than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah, I don't remember um, who posited this theory, but if you get 10 percent of the population to do something that maybe go against the other 90 percent, that eventually 
that'll build that tide that'll sweep over the the other 90% and they won't see it coming. So it's true. And just think about how, like the, there was that study that showed there, there's really only 8% of Americans who are actually in this completely insane leftist, identitarian, intersectional, postmodernist school of thought. It's only about 8%. Yeah. But that 8% has been able to strike fear into the hearts of the rest of the country. And, or the vast majority, I mean, there's people who are still speaking out like us and others, but a lot of people are really scared to talk against uh, that ideology. And it only took 8%. And it's just because they're so obnoxious and rowdy. Yeah. And obviously we don't want to be that obnoxious and rowdy because it's just so cringy. And <laughs> um, while while they've made all while they've made so many people scared, they've also made a lot of people hate them. Right. Uh, it, it is it, you can you can have a lot of power with you know five to ten percent of the population. And they actually talk about it when they talk about Islam as well. Like when you get to a critical mass of Islam in a country, and I think it is around ten percent. You know, it really it starts to sway how the um, or it starts this way how the politics in that country are dictated. You know, there's, there starts to be some uh, Islam-related, uh, like, legislation that might get passed or proposed. Because all of a sudden, you actually have a minority that is substantial enough where you yeah. can't ignore their voice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I think that 10% number is probably, like, a good gauge for everything else. So if we could just get 10% of people to at least be anti-authoritarian in the way that and, – and in a way that they're actually passionate about it and not just going to roll over and say, actually, yes, government, now I want you to do this because I feel threatened, like the whole internet censorship thing. It's like, oh, well, now we want the government to regulate the internet because we've – like Twitter hurt my feelings. <laughs> Somebody on Twitter said a no-no word. <laughs> yeah, or I'm not allowed to use Twitter, so... Hashtag literally me. shaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hashtag triggered, for sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, but I, I just think that we... we, we ha- it's the hearts and minds argument, and I, I don't know. I, I always like to kind of end and be more positive when I, when I do podcasts or anything like this, because I think about when I became a libertarian at least by name, uh, back yeah. when I tried to help get Ron Paul elected in 2012. Um, and I, I think that we have made amazing progress. We get silenced in the media. But oh, yeah, yeah. The, they, the, they definitely the don't want to point any is, camera is in our huge. direction. Yeah. Oh, sorry, what's that? I said, yeah, they definitely don't want to point a camera or a microphone in our direction. Oh, never. Yeah. Because they just know it's going to look bad for them. <laughs> we're not supposed to exist, you know? Because we don't like either side, so we're not supposed to exist, and so they neither side really wants to highlight us. And the conservatives will like Trump will try to pander to us uh, for 2020, uh, yeah. and so will all of the conservatives because they know that we actually are like we're we're my a minority that's big enough that they can't ignore us. But um, but ultimately they don't like us, and that's why in this interim between the elections they've started you know shitting on libertarians again. Yeah. Like uh, they, just see any episode of Tucker Carlson. You know? Right? It was like, uh, you know, the brain trust in Washington, D.C. that has libertarian values. I was like, who are you talking about? That's that's not reality at all. How? How? What happened to Tucker Carlson, man? Because I have no clue. Because 
he was always, I mean, he was always a conservative, but he at least seemed like he was a capitalist. But now he's all in favor of all of these socialist kind of uh, economic programs, like paid family leave, he was talking about. And uh, he's so worried about automation that he was talking about trying to have some kind of, I don't know, extra welfare situation for people who get automated out of jobs. Um, yeah. I, how are conservative, I mean, conservatives actually are socialists, though, is the problem, because yeah. they're, whatever the socialist progressives put in place, the conservatives will then conserve, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, I, I've made the, um, the joke to a, a few people that progressives are now the new conservatives. And, uh, of course, they get the, uh, the head tilts and the, they don't know what I'm talking about. And I said, yeah, they're all trying to conserve the New Deal and FDR's vision for America. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? I was they've like, yeah, working, yeah, you're the new conservatives. They've been working diligently to preserve the progressive New Deal since the New Deal became a thing. Yep. And it's just – it's the same thing with um, – you know, my parents are actually conservative and – like republic. I know, right? Uh, and like Republicans, and at least at least they finally have a distrust of the media because of how they've treated Trump. But I've been trying to get them to distrust the media forever, and so I find yeah. I'm like, oh, at least I got one. <laughs> it's like it took me yeah. a long time. <laughs> the other bad thing about that is even if they do start distrusting the media, but the next time like the the other guy gets in, and there's like, because then they'll just say, oh well, yeah, of course they're going to be on his side the whole time. Right. <laughs> And yeah, then we'll just yeah, go back to watching Fox like, News and yeah, some new entity of media will come into being and they'll just trust that without any yeah, without question. any question. Yeah, um, or, they'll, or they'll be like my aunt who has the Fox News logo like burnt into the corner of her TV. Oh, I know, right? I, I wish I was joking about that. I mean, my parents are like that too. Like I, I'm not. I, I wish I were joking as well because I kind of hate all media. I, I haven't had cable for like almost a decade. Like I really don't. I don't like. I don't See, like that's a revolution within itself, cord cutters. Oh, oh yeah, and I'm so yeah. excited for the cable companies to die. Like, it's just such a great revolution. I'm so happy about it. Um, yeah, I used to work for uh, Cox Communications here in Baton Rouge, and uh, anytime that someone would call in complaining about uh, you know price raises and everything, and I I want to tell them it's all ESPN because <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones who charge the astronomical rate just to rebroadcast their stuff. And interestingly and enough, yeah, those are the only reason. That's the only reason why people still have cable is for sports. Yeah, and occasionally you'll find the person will. Can I just get rid of ESPN? We're like, no, that, that's got to be part of your thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that's yeah. If you if you get any cable package, you have to get ESPN. Yeah, that's that's the reason why is the uh, the retransmission. It, mm -hmm. They charge an arm and a leg for it. Thanks, mouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right oh, this is awful um, but what I was going to say just about my sorry I mentioned my parents because I was talking to them recently about how like the Republicans had control of the entire government so to speak and they couldn't repeal Obamacare you know I was talking about that and yeah. my parents were like well but the people with pre-existing conditions you know my mother in particular she was talking about how we really need to do something for them and I said when Obamacare was being debated and before it was passed, you were against it. You didn't care about the pre-existing conditions thing because you understood how insurance worked. Yeah, you can't right? call the insurance company and say you want fire insurance when your house, house is on fire. House burned down. Exactly. Yeah. So she, but but that's the thing. Now it's like Obamacare exists, 
and now the conservatives are going to conserve it. They're go yes. they're going to protect it. And they'll do that with anything that the, the progressives do. And people wonder, like, how did we get to a place where our country is so far left? But it's because the left is pushing or the left is driving the train and the conservatives are at the back making sure that no one is you know, the conservatives are making sure that that direction doesn't change. You yeah. know, once it's gone a certain way, we're never going to turn around. And yeah. So like the, uh, the left will always do things. They'll make some kind of proposal at, you know, level 10. And uh, really what they want is like level five, but they know the conservatives are going to work their way back down to five. So right. it, it ends up getting, but the conservatives never propose anything at level 10. They always persert, you know, propose something at level one that's going to get compromised away to nothing. You know? Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. And it's probably because, you know, it's just, it's like the nature of their personalities almost, you know, conservatives have more of a, you know, there's a reason why they talk about conservative clothing as being the kind that's like you're all covered up and you're more prude, right? Yeah. Conservatives are going to be more reserved and how and more polite and how they go about things. Whereas progressives, you know, they're 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 progressing towards something. They're on a mission. They've got yeah. a vision that they're trying to pursue. So yeah. when these two things, and they don't are, mind getting their hands dirty either. No, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't care. You know, they've got a very Machiavellian approach to policy. They, you know, the consequences of getting their agenda passed be damned. You know, yeah. they're just gonna go for it, even if it, even if their agenda doesn't do what they say it's gonna do. Yeah. They're just gonna pass, like the whole Green New Deal thing. It's like Ocasio Cortez pa uh, proposes that, even though it would do nothing to yeah. reduce carbon emissions effectively on Earth. But well, we even would, have a, a real a world uh, country. I was going to say, we even have a real world example of them pushing something that ended up blowing up in her face. And that was called NAFTA. Oh, Rem yeah. Remember Al Gore got oh. up on CNN. This is a good deal, Larry. Mm -hmm. You know, and then 10 years later, what does Detroit, Michigan look like? I know it's the only it's booming like, uh, business is U-Haul from everybody trying to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, I mean, wasn't it something where houses in Detroit were going like going for like nine grand? Yeah, or something oh, because you can get no one bus. wants to be there. There's no opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, and the only uh, booming businesses there are lawn cutting services because you know now all the houses have been knocked down. <laughs> oh my, is, just that, is that a grass. joke? Yeah, <laughs> is, is, is that like a real thing in Detroit that the lawnmowers are getting like at booms in business? Yeah, because you know the bank owns all that property now, so and they need to make it look <laughs> nice, so for when you know the resurgence happens. Oh my God! Yeah, and uh, that and U-Haul, just everyone trying to leave. The car, the car industry made Detroit like a booming kind of metropolis, and it's just yep. gone. It's just yep. destroyed the like socialist agenda and the whole these quote unquote trade agreements. It's like free trade would just mean that. You could just trade. You don't yeah. need a really long, complicated agreement yeah. to do that. Um, yeah. So anytime they want to say... Trade's probably not that free. Yeah, so anytime they want to say, well, you know, uh, we did that, but then the Republicans did this and this and this. I was like, no, 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 no. That was all you, buddy. Because, <laughs> you know, the, the Donald Trumps and the, uh, you know, the Rush Limbaugh's, they don't run Michigan. <laughs> it, right. It happened in a very long time. So. And, 
And people forget that Bill Clinton passed some of the worst criminal justice legislation or like uh, signed into law. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of nonviolent people are in prison right now because of Bill Clinton. And a lot yeah, of those people cool. are black people and Hispanics. So it's like uh, the people people have no understanding of their history. We have such a short term memory in terms of what who when bills became law, how things came to be law. There my mother thought that we had had Medicare and Social Security since prior she thought we had had it for like over a hundred years. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, not even close. It's like that it's that we didn't even like the New Deal didn't even have all of that in there. Most yeah. of that stuff happened in the seventies. Yeah, it was all and in the seventies. Already destroyed so much stuff. It's it's kind of rec it's a it's a recent government institution and it's already managed to destroy, you know, so many things. It's like destroyed the entire retirement market because no one no one really does anything wise in terms of their retirement planning unless they're actually wealthy but yeah. poor people just think oh i'll just get a check from the government but yeah, it's not yeah, gonna no, you're be not. Either, and it's not going to be enough either because of yeah. inflation and all this other mess so um i don't know i we, the lack of historical knowledge is really dangerous uh in america i think that's i think it's our biggest weakness and I think that it, if if anything is going to be our downfall, it's that we don't know history. Yeah, the history and economics education in this country are just terrible. Uh, but, you know, what are you going to do? The Department of Education also came around the 1970s. So I know. And look at how <laughs> smart our society has become since the 70s. Like, what an improvement we have had. <laughs> yeah, like any of that stuff, I had to look it up after I graduated from high school. Because, you know, I didn't learn it there. Well, if you want to learn anything that happened after the Cold War, you have to go learn it yourself. Exactly. Because no public school is ever going to teach you what America has done since the Cold War. Yeah. Because they want to have this beautiful trajectory of America that starts with our founding, and then we abolish slavery, and then we uh, fight the Nazis, and then we deal with the, the commies. And then it's just been nothing. Yeah, that's just been, uh, you know, rose petals and <laughs> unicorn farts the whole way. Yeah. yeah, and we've just, yeah, we've just been, uh, like, the richest country, just chilling, having, like, mimosas on the beach since then. Um, and our government has been just angels the whole way. Yeah. And we've been bringing democracy to the world. And, you know. And they've been receiving that democracy with open arms. Yeah, and I. So I'm, open that they're now yards apart. From the high explosive <laughs> missile that was dropped by the. All right. Anyways, such, such open arms that they're using those arms to like <laughs> lob grenades at Americans who are still occupying their land. Um, uh, illegally. Illegally, illegally occupying their land. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I. You can't. It, it's it's one of those things where I'm still trying to fill in all of my historical knowledge in terms of our foreign policy, especially as it comes to uh, South America, because our government has done so much meddling down there, oh, and yeah. we don't learn about any of it. You know, I'm just I'm only just scratching the surface of that. I've been focusing a lot on what ha what's happened in the Middle East, but now I've been going more to the South American situation, and really, a lot a government's done a lot since the Cold War. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they've they've been in business. Uh, yeah, and they like to use this word "manifest destiny," where yeah. the entire Western Hemisphere belongs to us. You know. Yeah, 
I remember them teaching me that in sixth grade and just kind of brushing over it like it completely made sense. Yeah. Um, and then later I thought about it. I mean, this is just really us saying that we have the right to conquer this territory because the most strategic kind of nation would be from sea to shining sea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's really just a conquering manifesto phrased as something beautiful. Manifest destiny. I mean, doesn't yeah, that it sounds sound really nice? You know, uh, utopia almost. It, it has a yeah, utopia. That, that sounds like a uh, a name for a slow, smooth jazz band. You know, <laughs> manifest destiny. Manifest destiny. We're destined to rule the world. It's like, <laughs> who does that sound like? Oh, uh, uh, Pax Americana, because they also <laughs> like using the Roman terms too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So. All yeah. right. So, uh, I actually did get some questions. You got and, some uh, that were serious. <laughs> I did get some that were serious. Uh, so, like one of them, um, since she's a lawyer and whatnot, her political views affect how she approaches cases. I think oh, yeah, we kind of yeah. covered that at the very beginning. Yeah, I think you you kind of asked me that first. I would say. Yeah. So that that one's fine. So in a in a, in Kapistan, who gets the nukes? <laughs> oh gosh the recreational nukes question yeah mcnukes um, uh, i i can actually take this one i can take this one yeah go uh, for it i, I would like you, to hear an ancaps answer all right so if you have the means and the ability to keep a nuclear weapon safe and contained in your house <laughs> then you can do it however just be aware that your neighbors are not going to want to come to talk to you. They're not going to invite you to a barbecue. And in fact, may insist that you move somewhere else. So there's a little bit of a social stigma going along with uh, owning a nuclear weapon. Yeah. There... You won't be invited but, to many cocktail parties. So. Yeah, yeah. And if you do show up at the cocktail party, we're all going to be like, oh, what's the crazy nuke guy doing here? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so I think at that point, uh, nuclear weapons will just be so just it would be something that would be just unthinkable. So I don't I don't think anyone's going to have the McNukes. So, yeah, I don't think McNukes are going to be a thing, but no. I, 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 tweeted something, <laughs> I tweeted something recently about how a nuclear weapon would be the most absurdly inefficient and ridiculous way to try to like defend yourself and your property that I can imagine with that being said, it shouldn't be illegal, but yeah. I mean, who like no one in their right mind would ever try to do that. Yeah, and exactly. quite frankly, I actually think it would be better if we could live in a world where our governments all agreed that the nuclear weapon in and of itself is something that we should just not have. But yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we could trust that other governments would abide by that. But I also think that it's crazy for us to be so obnoxious about other countries having nuclear weapons when we're the only country that's ever dropped one. Yeah, that's yeah. ever used them. Um, yeah. So there was a, a line from a movie, uh, and I can't remember the title of it, but uh, it was like a nuclear scientist said, I don't really care about the country who's trying to get 10 nuclear weapons. I just care about the one crazy guy who wants the one. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's definitely the guy who's going to use it. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's another one. Is she going to get the yeet cannon so she can yeet on people during the boogs? Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Should, should I know what that means? <laughs> okay, so, uh, I, I, yeah, I can explain this a little bit. So the yeet cannon, um, 
High Point Firearms uh, decided to redo the High Point pistol. And uh, oh. so they left it to the internet to rename this pistol that now has a threaded barrel and some you know, other updates to it. And they went with the Yeet cannon. <laughs> That's so silly. Oh, my God. Twitter, it messes with people, man. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, the Boogs is, is the Boogaloo, which we like to call the Collapse. So yeah so, uh, to that one i'm going to chuckle and collapsitarian so. yes uh me me too that that's also my response <laughs> um, and, it, and you can shit on high point pistols all you want and they at least go bang every time you pull the trigger and they're yeah. 150 bucks eh, you know i don't know and i you know i my the revolver which is what i like carry and it's my the gun that i use the most is a smith and wesson but i actually i'm not a I'm not a brand snob. I'm not a style of gun snob. I'm all about people defending themselves from governments or, you know, the elements or other people, however they see fit. So more power to you, man. I'll have my revolver and the bugaloo for sure. Hey, hey, you've you've got the one gun and you know how to use it well. (laughs) I I wouldn't mess with you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I still... We all can use more practice, right? That's one thing that... Oops! Oh my gosh, my microphone just got bashed on something. Um, we could all use... I, I'm really sorry about that sound on there. No, we could okay. all use more practice with um, with our firearms. And I think that to the extent that our community uses a lot of firearms, we should always advocate for like knowing how to use your weapon. Because you're right, it doesn't really matter what you use, but you need to know how to use it. Um, yeah. Because you actually can't defend yourself well... If you don't know how to use your weapon, um, you won't even serve yourself well with it if you can't. Yeah. Uh, Anytime I've ever been asked, you know, what pistol or what rifle or something I should get, I was all like, well, it, it, it's fine. Whatever you feel comfortable shooting, but at, at the same time, you need to go get training. Yeah. It should be like the second thing after you get the, the gun and all the accessories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so keeping with the uh, collapsitarian theme here, so uh, Jared from the Biting the Bullet uh, podcast. It's basically a, a podcast of uh, three Marine veterans, and they talk about uh, uh, things from a Marine veteran, but a libertarian point of view as well. Oh, that's cool. I yeah. respect the Marines. Yeah, so he's got a good one. Uh, does she want to be a fighting mongoose, and should I order the tracksuit now or wait? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I like this question. Um, I'll take any tracksuit that you want to give me. <laughs> All right, so Slav confirmed. <laughs> oh goodness yes, I like the Adidas these... uh, tracksuit is on its way <laughs> oh the Soviet tracksuit yes it will be delivered soon <laughs> <laughs> along with a can of Arizona iced tea and Adidas shoes as well yeah. <laughs> might as well just go all out <laughs> <laughs> the Arizona iced tea is clutch uh, for that <laughs> All right, Violet. Well, I think that's going to uh, bring it to an end. It was really a blast talking to you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Again, I'm sorry for my uh, microphone issue that I just had there. I hope that that doesn't ruin the uh, Oh, no, that's okay. Like, at the very beginning, I had cicadas going off in the tree right outside. And then uh, here just a little while ago, my dog jumped up on the bed and shook. So. Oh, (laughs) okay. It's fine. I think there should be, like, an air of professionalism slash it's kind of – got the I did this out of my basement type of feel to it so yeah I'm I'm at my kitchen table so <laughs> yeah there we go uh, now we're breaking all the illusions mm-hmm. it's all yeah all of this is purely authentic content happening here so. exactly 
good stuff. I had a lot of fun too. Thank you so much for letting me come on and uh, rant my mini crazy thoughts that I have about this wonderland we live in. So I really uh, appreciate a, the time. Not a problem. Hong Kong. So <laughs> Hong Kong, indeed. All right. And we're out. That was so cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I appreciate you letting me go on my TSA uh, diatribe there for a minute. Oh no, yeah, that was that was that was probably the the best part. I might actually pull the uh, the episode title out of that. So. Oh cool. Okay, awesome. Because I do think that uh, we need to need to focus on that too. So. Yeah. But this was a lot of fun. Anytime you want to have me on, I'm happy to to facilitate. So. All right, not a problem. Have yourself a great night. You too. Thanks, Eric. All right. Bye. Bye.